0: Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? And God good? Man, what an incredible job by the students this morning. Um, it is awesome to be here and to be a part of it and witness it and to see what God has done this weekend. Are you glad to be here this morning? Awesome. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you got to see me this morning. Why don't you tell them that? All right. It's an honor to be here. Uh, I've been with your students multiple times at d and camps. and. And I want to tell you, my name is Shane Pruitt. I am the uh, Director of Missions for the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. And on behalf of the convention, we want to tell you church, thank you so much for partnering with us and advancing the gospel. We love your church and we adore your pastor. Pastor Danny Forshee is a great friend of me and a great pastor. So we love him. So it was an honor. To be here. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians is right after 1 Corinthians. Does that help anybody? So go ahead and turn there. And if you have uh, your bulletin that you received on the way in, there's a section for notes. I want you to write down three quick things um, and then get something to write, out, uh, write with as well. So if you have a pen or pencil or highlighter, or lipstick, eyeliner, whatever you got, get that out. And we're gonna jot down some things, all right? So I got a couple minutes here and I just wanna share some things with you that I pray will be a blessing to you in the days and weeks and months and years to come. And so church, I wanna tell you, I've been with your students all week, so they know this. I get excited about Jesus. I get passionate about Jesus. So hey, I love amens and praise the Lord's and hallelujah's, I welcome those. In fact, church, I'm gonna make a deal with you. For every amen, praise the Lord, hallelujah. I hear, I'm gonna take 30 seconds off the sermon. How about that? All right, there you go. Let's look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If you're with me, say, uh-huh. uh-huh. All right, look at this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, turn to your neighbor and say, anyone. Yes. Turn to the other neighbor and say, anyone. Yes. Turn to the person behind you and say, anyone. That messes everybody up, right? Look at this. If anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation, and the church should say, amen. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Is anybody happy about that? Anybody excited about that? Anybody got some things in their past they're not proud of? Anybody been through some stuff? Anybody Anybody ever had to say the word oops before? Aren't you glad that the gospel has made the past the past? and the new has come, I love it. Listen, in the gospel and in the message of the gospel, we are not just spectators of the cross, we are participants in the cross. What does that mean? That Christ died so that the old me would die. That Christ was buried so that the old me would be buried and Christ busted out of the grave so a new me can live. Amen? And it changes everything. You know why that's good news? Because I told your students this this weekend is that Satan is a punk, isn't he? And doesn't Satan always want to distract you by bringing up your past? Has Satan ever done that to you? Brought up your past? Hey, God doesn't love you. Remember when you did this? Hey, God can never use you. Remember how you did this? Satan's always bringing up your past. Church, this one's for free this morning. Write this down. The next time Satan brings up your past, Bring up his future, (laughs) he loses. And you have victory in Christ. Everything changes, it's all new. So you know what that means? That if I am a new creature, then I now care about what my Creator cares about. The things that He loves, I am to love. The things that burden Him, I am to be burdened with. The things that He's compassionate about, I am to be compassionate about it changes everything. It means this, I can no longer go through life staring at my own belly button. I must look up and notice the hurt around me. Notice the brokenness around me. And it begins with God's people. How many of you say, Shane, our nation needs revival? How many of you say that? But listen, our nation will never see revival until the churches in our nation see revival. And our churches will never experience revival until the people that make up the church experience revival. Revival starts with God, but comes through His people. And may it start with us. And so I want you to write this down this morning, real briefly, write this down. I am a new creation. And because I am a new creation, God has given me three things. Number one, He has given you a ministry. Look at verse 18. Because I am a new creation, God has given me a ministry. Look at verse 18. It says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us. Turn to your neighbor and say, gave you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, gave you. Gave us what? What does your Bible say? The ministry of reconciliation. Church, if you're here today and you say, Shane, I know without a doubt, that I am bought with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. If you know that without a doubt, would you just raise your hand? Hey, now keep them up, keep them up and look around. Look at how many ministers of the gospel we have. Listen, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. If you're a Christian, you're a missionary. See, most of the American church is set up this way. We get saved, Then we sit on our blessed assurances, on a bunch of padded pews, going to a bunch of potluck dinners, waiting for the rapture bus to swoop down and pick us all up, right? And then we watch all the professional Christians do the ministry. Who are they? The staff. So we sit and watch all the staff do the ministry, but when the staff doesn't do the ministry how we think they should, then we send them an email in Jesus' name. Pastor, have you ever gotten any of those? Listen, the job of the staff is to equip the saints for ministry. You know who that is? You. You have a ministry. You have a mission field, and you say, well, preacher, what's my mission field? Everybody, I want you to do this with me. Everybody look down at your two feet. Everybody, I want you to look down at your two feet, and you say, well, preacher, what's my ministry? What's my mission field? see your two feet? Do you see that ground between your two feet? That ground between your two feet at any point of the day is your mission field. It's your ministry. So that means this, your family is your ministry. How many of you agree that's a tough ministry? Can we be honest? Because we'll look at them and say, hey, they got the same last name as me, and I don't even like them very much, right? (laughs) Think about it. Every family has at least one weirdo in it. The weird uncle, the weird cousin, right? I want you right now to think of who the one weirdo is in your family. And if you can't think of anybody, it's you. You're the one. <laughs> but it's a ministry. Listen, your neighborhood, your neighborhood, that's your mission field. You should never go to Pastor Danny and go, hey, preacher, I think my neighbor's lost. Would you come preach to him? No, God placed them next to you. That's your ministry. That's your mission field. Listen, your job is more than a place to make a paycheck. It's your ministry, it's your mission field. How many of you work with people that don't know Jesus? Students, students, I've been with you all weekend. Listen, school is more than a prison. It's your ministry, it's your mission field. And listen, students, you hear all the time that you're the future of the church. And I know what we mean by that, meaning you're the future leaders, the future pastors, future missionaries, that's true. But hear me, students. If you are bought with the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of you, you are not the future of the church, you are the church now. You have a purpose now, you have a mission now, you have a calling now, get busy now, serve now, share now. It's your mission field, it's your mission field, it's your calling. Our neighborhoods is our mission field. The nations are our mission field. I have a dear friend with me today. Kenneth Wago is a dear friend to me. He's a, Cong- he's a missionary from the Congo. He's here worshiping with us today. We have a mission field. Every single one of us, if you're a new creation, number one, he's given you a ministry. Number two, write this down, he's given you a message. So you have a ministry, number two, you have a message. Look at verse 19. That is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us. Turn to your neighbor and say, entrusting to you. Well, what did he entrust to us? What does it say up here, church? Entrusting to us the what? Message of reconciliation. He's entrusted you the message. What is the message? It's the gospel. You know what the gospel is? Good news. How many of you agree the world needs good news? And you have it. Listen. Great Hills Baptist Church has something to give Austin, Texas that Walmart can't provide. The life saving message of Jesus. What is the gospel? That God created us, but sin separated us. If you get on Ancestry.com, we all end up at Adam and Eve. And they rebelled against the holy God. And the moment they did, sin entered. And their soul, their spirit inside of them died. And every person who is ever born after that is born a sinner. They are born spiritually dead, meaning there's nothing they can do to please God. We are born broken. There is something wrong with us. We are sinners. Sinners sin. Sinners are good at sinning. Sinners are good at hiding sin. Sinners are good at justifying sin. There is something wrong with us, every single one of us. And you say... Well, not me, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says you should not tell a lie. (laughs) So raise your hand if you've ever told a lie before. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying right now, right? There's something wrong with us. How many of you say, preacher, there is something wrong with me? How many of you are sitting next to someone and there is something wrong with that person? You know what it is? Sin, meaning there's nothing we can do to please God. Every religion teaches it. Even the secular bookstore gets it. You go into Barnes and Nobles, what's the biggest section? The self what? Help section. We're broken, but God loved us, even in our brokenness. That 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who has always existed, took a mission trip from heaven to planet Earth, wrapped on human flesh to become a man, to die as a man for mankind, but he never stopped being God. It is what is known as the great hypostatic union of Christ, that in Christ he was 100% man and 100% God. Think about it, everything he did was good and awesome. He lived the perfect life that you and I could not live. Caused the blind to see, caused the deaf to hear, caused the handicapped to get up and walk. That one's very personal to our family, our four-year-old son's in a wheelchair. He walked on water, he calmed the storm with his voice. He fed over 5,000 people with two fish sandwiches. I told your students this week, Subway has nothing on that brother, right? He rose Lazarus from the dead. We learned about that last night. I love it, he said, Lazarus, arise, and he did. If you have a King James Bible, it says he was in there for four days and it said, he stinketh, that's dead. He said, Lazarus, arise. You know why I think Jesus had to call Lazarus by name? Because Jesus has such power over death that standing in the cemetery, if he would have just said, arise, then every person would have come out of their graves. And here's Jesus, the Son of God. And at 33 years old, it was the greatest act of love ever. This is the greatest news ever that Jesus took our place on the cross. When they shoved a crown of thorns on his head, that should have been me. When they spit in his face, that should have been you. When they nailed him to the cross, that should have been us. But our great God took our place as the perfect sacrifice and as the perfect substitute. And he died there. Then they took this lifeless body off the cross and they put it in a borrowed grave. And you know why they put the body of Jesus in a borrowed grave? Because he wasn't gonna stay there long. Because three days later, he did what Buddha did not do. He did what Muhammad did not do. He did what Joseph Smith, the Mormonism did not do. I'm from Waco. He did what David Koresh could not do. He busted out of the grave, showing that God the Father had accepted God the Son's sacrifice on our behalf. Jesus conquered sin, he conquered death, and he broke the hold of Satan on us. And he showed himself for 40 days. Then he climbed on top of a mountain called Olive. And right before his disciples, he ascended into heaven. Boom! Goes through the gates of pearl and the streets of gold and through the singing angels and the bowing elders. And Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why did he sit down? Not because he needed a Starbucks break. He sat down because three very important words he said on the cross. What is it, Great Hills? It is finished. He made the way possible to know God and be forgiven of sin. That's the greatest news in the world. But that's not the end of the story because one day the trumpet's gonna blast, the angels are gonna shout and Jesus is coming back for his church. Do you believe that? People ask all the time, when is he coming back? I don't know. But one thing I do know is today is a heck of a lot closer than yesterday was. I love what one evangelist said. He said the angel Gabriel's gonna to toot and we're gonna scoot. That's cool. I like that. <laughs> but it begs the question who's the church? Is it this building? This is an incredible building. But does sitting inside of here make you a Christian? Just like sitting inside of Taco Bell is not gonna make you a burrito. We understand that, right? Buildings don't make Christians, Jesus does. And he gives us this promise if we repent and believe. What does that mean? Repent means to turn from sin, turn to a Savior named Jesus, place your faith, your trust in him. And the moment you place your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he places his Holy Spirit in you. The same power that ripped Jesus out of the grave now lives in you. The good news of the gospel is this. God loves you so much that he gave you his very best. Himself. You get to know God, you get to experience God, you get to behold God, you get God in you. And when God comes to live inside of you, he forgives you of sins. He gives you peace and purpose. He gives you love and joy and peace. And he gives you life. See that soul, that spirit that was in you that was dead now becomes very much alive. That's the gospel. The gospel is not that God makes a bunch of good people better. The gospel is that God makes dead people alive. To never die again. That is good news. And you get to tell the world. You get to tell the world, God's entrusted you with the message. How many of you are really glad that someone shared the message with you? Listen, you can't be selfish with it anymore. You must give it away. Can we be honest? Some Christians are better at sharing the flu with people than when they are sharing the gospel with people. And we get the opportunity to share the greatest news ever. Number one, God's given you a ministry. Number two, he's given you a message. Number three, write this down, he's given you a means. This is our last point. You know what it means when a preacher says he's almost done? Not much, but we are almost done, all right? <laughs> Number three, he's giving you a means. Look at verse 20. I love verse 20. He says, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. What does ambassador mean? It means that ambassador is a citizen of another country but that ambassador is sent by his or her king to live in a foreign land to represent their home country and to represent their home king. Listen, we are citizens of the United States or citizens of another country, but our primary citizenship is the kingdom of God. And Jesus is our king who we represent. You know why that's good news? I don't know if you heard or not, but we just had an election. Did you hear about that? And should we vote? Yes. Should we vote with our conscience? Yes. But at the end of the day, aren't you glad it doesn't matter who the president is because Jesus is king and you can't impeach him and he ain't gonna resign and you didn't vote him into office and you can't vote him out of office. He is king and we are here to represent the kingdom of God and to represent our king. Look at this and I love this next part. If you have your pen or pencil, I want you to underline these next words here. Says this, God making his appeal us. I want you to read it with me, church. It's up here on the screen. God making his appeal through us. Let's do it one more time. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. You know what that means? God is our means. We are called to ministry. We are called to proclaim a message, but God is our means. It means this, he's gonna do it. It's not up to us to save anyone. It's not up to us to change anyone, but it is up to us to be willing to be used by God. You know what it means? It means we're tools in the hands of God. God's going to do the work, but he's going to use us. We're tools. See, in this generation, it's not a good thing to be called a tool. So parents and grandparents, if your students say, you are such a tool, don't say thank you. That's not a good thing, all right? But you know what? In the kingdom of God, it's a great thing. So encourage one another this morning, turn to your neighbor and as lovingly as you can go, you are such a tool, tell them that. You know why that's a great thing? Listen, you know why it's a great thing to be a tool? I don't know if you remember or not, but Jesus was a carpenter. You missed it. You know why it's a great thing to be a tool? Because our Jesus was a carpenter. You know what that means? He knows what to do with a bunch of tools, amen? He's our means. So he has called us because we are new creations in Christ, because the oldest passed away, he has called us to a ministry. He has called us to proclaim a message and he is our means. As the band comes back up, it reminds me of a certain movie. How many of you are movie fans? Raise your hand, you're movie fans, all right. Uh, I travel a lot and speak a lot. So Netflix has become a dear friend of mine. (laughs) And so I'm always got this top list of favorite five movies. I mean, it's ever changing right now. My favorite movie is still the movie Tombstone. You ever seen that movie? All right, number two is the movie Gladiator. You ever seen that? Number three is the movie Braveheart. As you can tell, I love man movies. That's why number four is The Notebook. No, I'm just kidding, right? (laughs) Number four favorite movie of all time. Don't judge me, I have four kids that are 10 and under. Number four favorite movie of all time is the movie, The Lion King. You ever seen the movie, The Lion King? (laughs) No, in the movie, The Lion King, it starts out with the Lion King, the dad lion. What's his name? Mufasa. Mufasa, Mufasa is standing on top of Pride Rock with his son Simba, do you remember that? And he says this, Simba, everywhere the light touches is our kingdom. But out in the land of the shadows, don't go there. That's the enemy's territory. Cause there was an enemy, Scar. And Scar had these little workers, the hyenas. Do you remember that? But here's the problem is that Simba had a little girly friend. What was her name? Nala. So here's my version of, Nala, of Lion King that one day Simba goes to Nala and he says, say boo. <laughs> She's like, what's up, Stun muffin? And he goes, do you wanna go to the land of the shadows? And she's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not supposed to do that. And he goes, girl, I got you, I'm a cub, stud. And then she goes, okay, you're so dreamy. And then they go to the land of the shadows, right? And when they go to the land of the shadows, here comes the enemies, the hyenas. Do you remember this in the movie? And the hyenas start chasing Nala and Simba. And Nala and Simba, they're running, they're tripping over elephant bones, they're falling down, they get backed into a corner and the enemy surrounds them. And here's Simba's chance to show off in front of his girlfriend. So he takes his little paw and he scoots Nala behind him and he looks in the face of the enemy and he's gonna scare them and frighten them. So he goes, Roar! Do you remember that? <laughs> and what did the enemy do? Laughed in his face. And then he gathers himself to roar again. And he goes, and right before he roars, there's this other roar that goes, roar, and the enemy flies back and does backwards somersaults. Do you remember that? Now, who roared? Was it Simba who roared? Who was it? Mufasa, the Lion King, and he pounces on the enemy and he goes, did you know this was my son? And they go, uh-uh, uh and the third one goes, uh-huh, do you remember that? <laughs> now, here's the point. It may be really cheesy, but nevertheless true. We sing it in the first song. We have a Lion King. His name is Jesus. The Bible calls Jesus the Lion of Judah and the King of Kings. Jesus is the great Lion King. And now listen, he doesn't say to us what Mephasa said to Simba. See, Mephasa said, hey, stay right here in the light. Stay right here and when it's safe. Our king doesn't say that. Our king doesn't say, hey, 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 let's all stay right here where it's safe. Let's stay right here in our buildings and let's point our finger at the world going, ah, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. You know why? Because the enemy's not terrified of that. Hear me. The enemy's not terrified of a bunch of Christians just gathering in a building complaining about the world. But the enemy is mortified of the church of God going out in the power of God and being the church outside of these walls and pushing back darkness in the name and the fame and the glory of their great Lion King. See, this is what our Lion King says. Our Lion King doesn't say, hey, 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 let's huddle where it's safe. You know what our Lion King says? It's called the Great Commission. What does he say? Go. He's saying, go, charge the darkness. And know that I am the light of the world and I am sending you out to be salt and light and I'm gonna shine through you. Go. But here's the great news about the Great Commission is that our Lion King doesn't say, hey, go and good luck to you. You know what our Lion King says? He gives us a great promise at the end of the Great Commission. Do you remember what it is? And know that I am with you sometimes. Huh? What does he say? Always. Always. So church, I tried not to get emotional on this part. It's what he says. My people, my bride, my church, those who I've redeemed and reconciled, go. Go to your mission field. Go to your families. Go to your schools. Go to your jobs. Go to your neighborhoods. Go to the nations and watch this and know this. I am going with you. And I'm gonna minister through you and I'm gonna proclaim a message through you because I am your means and I'm gonna roar through you. I'm gonna shine through you. I'm gonna push back the darkness in the neighborhoods and to the nations through you for my name, my fame, and my glory, because I am your means. I am your Lion King. And church, we get to be a part of that. That is a reason to get out of bed in the morning. That we have a ministry, we have a message, we have a means, and his name is what? Jesus. Let's pray about it. God, you are good. Jesus, what a great privilege it is to be called yours. What a great privilege it is to find breath in our lungs to praise you with. What a great privilege it is to get out of bed knowing that you have called us to a ministry. You've called us to proclaim a message and you are our means going with us. With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, I'm gonna ask our pastors to come forward and spread out across the stage. Listen, church, this morning, these promises that we made and that we're excited about are only for those who have been bought with the blood of Jesus. It's only for those who have the Holy Spirit of God inside of them. So where are you at today, friends? Maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, I'm no follower of Satan, but I'm no Jesus freak. I just hang in the middle. Listen, there is no middle. Jesus said, you're either with me or against me. You're either dead or alive. You're either lost or found. One day you will draw your last breath and you will stand before your creator, sir. You will stand before your creator, ma'am. And you're either gonna hear two things. You're either gonna hear, well done, good and faithful servant, or you're gonna hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Where are you at today? Listen, I'm not asking you if you attend church or pray to prayer, or been dunked in water. You could do that every day and still be lost. I'm asking you this, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Does the Holy Spirit of God live inside of you? And if the answer is no, then now is your time. Or if the answer is Shane, I don't know, let me ask you this, how can a God so big and a God so powerful speak all of creation into existence? How can a God that big and a God that powerful live inside a little old me and you and we not know if He's there or not and be radically changed by it? So if you're here today and you say, Shane, I don't know, or Shane, I do know that I need Jesus, now is your time. The Bible gives us this promise here that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. There's no magic in a prayer. What matters is that you believe it right now with all your heart, that Jesus is God. And I just want you to confess that with me. So if you're here today and you say, Shane, I need to for real today, seriously give my life to Jesus or Shane, I don't know, then right now I want you to confess with me. Maybe just say something like this, God, thank you for creating me. Thank you for opening my eyes to the need of a savior. Thank you for sending your son in my place. So God, I'm turning to you. Will you forgive me? Would you come and live inside of me? God, would you make me a new creation today? Would you give me a brand new start? I want to live for you. God, thank you for saving me right now. Thank you for making me a new person. With every head bowed never eye closed and no one looking around, if you're here today and you say, preacher, I confess that with you. I prayed with you. I know I need to. Would you just look up and meet eyes with me? And by doing that, you're saying, Shane, I prayed that with you. In fact, it's a big crowd. If you're looking up, meet eyes with me, you just put your hand in there so I know it's you and say, Shane, no one looking around and you say, hey, I confess that with you. Put your hand up. Several of you, several of you, put your hand up. I confess that with you. Several of you, all right, yeah, look up at me. You guys serious about that? Nod, you guys serious about that? You confess, put your hand up. I see several of you, all right, over here. Yeah, I confess that with you. Thank you, keep looking. All right, I confess that with you. I confess, I see you, I see you. All right, listen, if you got your hand up or you put your hand up, would you just look up and meet eyes with me real quick? With no one else looking around, we're not gonna do anything to embarrass you, but there are men and women here who wanna pray with you and talk to you. Listen, Jesus took a step for us and took a stand for us, so we're gonna take a stand right now. If you confess that today and you truly meant it, what I want you to do right where you're at is I want you to stand up and come stand up here right now. Just come on, come on, my sister, come on, come on. You confess, you raised your hand. Just tell the person next to you, excuse me, I gotta go do business with God, and come on, come on. Several, several, come on. If you're in the back, come on. Those are moving. Come on, just come stand up here and a pastor's gonna grab you. Come on. You say, I confess that with you, preacher. Come on. I see you, my man, coming from back. Come on. You say, I confess that with you. I confess, I need Jesus this morning. I need a brand new start. I need it. I need it. Come on. Yeah. There's a gentleman coming up. All right, come on. See others, grab them. All right. How many of you would say this morning, preacher, I know without a doubt I'm a Christian. I know without a doubt the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me, but I've gotten real dry. I've gotten real distracted. I've allowed some junk in my life. And today, I want a new start. Today, I want to refocus. Today, I want to start going and living like God has called me to live. So how many of you would say that, Shane? I know I'm a Christian, but I've gotten distracted. And today I need to recommit my life and go live my life like God has called me to. If that's you, would you look up and meet eyes with me? And if that's you, listen, we wanna pray with you. We wanna encourage you this morning. So if you're looking up, meeting eyes with me and that's your story, I want you to stand and make your way up. Come on, come on. You say, that's me. I just need a brand new story. I know without a doubt I'm a Christian, but I just need to refocus. I just need to recommit this morning. Come on, you can tell the person next to you, excuse me. Come on, I see you, I see you. I see you. several coming from the back, come on, come on. How many of you say this morning, Shane, I know without a doubt I'm a Christian, I'm not perfect, but everything's going pretty good. But I saw some people get baptized this morning and that needs to be my story. I got baptized when I was little, but saved later in life. So I need to get my baptism on the right side of my salvation. Listen, church, any kind of baptism that took place before you understood the gospel was not baptism. That was just getting wet in church. So how many of you say, man, I need to get this baptism thing right or I need to follow on baptism. If that's you, would you put your hand up and say, I just need to talk to somebody about baptism. I need to pray with somebody about baptism. i have several of you. If that's you, will not you go ahead and come up and say, that's me. All right, come on. Yeah, several of you. Say, I need to get this baptism thing right. Yeah, come on. I need to get this baptism thing right. Yeah, come on. And for the church, the rest of you, would you would just look up and, and see how many of you, you, there's people up here you know, or people up here you love. Can we can we give the Lord a hand for what God's doing this morning? Ain't got good, ain't got good. We got to be a part of it. So church, this is what I'm gonna ask you to do, is I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna pray and the moment I say amen, if you are physically able and you wanna come and pray at the altar today, could you? Could we get on our face before the Lord today and pray for our nation? Pray for God to move, if you're physically able, just come find a place on the stage and pray and move and say, God, touch our nation. God, save my family. God, save my neighbors. God, save those at my job. God, save those at my school. And God, use me, God, use me. So I'm gonna pray the moment I say, amen. You come and pray for our nation. Pray for your realms of influence. Pray that God would move in our nation. God. Thank you for what you're doing. God, you are a God of life. And may those of us who possess life go and share life with those who are desperately need it. God, we can't ignore what's going around us anymore. May we care about what you care about for your name, your fame, and your glory. And the people of God said, amen. Would you stand and feel free to come stand and sing, have freedom in Christ this morning.